Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Mike Catholic from CLNS, joined, as always, by Alex Barth, Johnny of Five Sports Hub. Patriots first Browns week, as you can tell by the hat that I'm sporting here, which is only on my head because Baker Mayfield made the Browns cool for a couple of years, and it's a pretty sweet logo. But Wearing a Browns hat on a Patriots podcast when they play the Browns is a choice. We're, report- we're reporters, Alex. We're not biased. We are. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's, I had to do it. It's Browns week. It was sitting up there on my hook. And I had to do it. Fair so, enough. Uh, I'll, I'll take it in the chat if I have to. But uh, we have a ton to get to tonight. We have a bunch of news, which last week, I guess I learned, or last episode, rather, I learned that maybe not every piece of news is big enough. You found the report. one piece of news that's actually somehow too minuscule for this show. Exactly. However, uh, <laughs> from, from Monday night till now, we've had plenty come down. So uh, we'll yep. get to that. We'll go through the injury reports, which we've now deemed Injury Thursday here. Uh, we will get to all that. Um, take a look at the offensive and defensive sides of the ball uh, heading into Cleveland on Sunday. Finally, we will – not so much finally because we've still got plenty more. We'll get into some Thursday Night Football stuff. We'll grab some Q&A with you guys in the chat, and then we will end it with our famous college football minute. Uh, it's a huge weekend of college football, so uh, we'll look forward to that down uh, at the end as well. Um, but let's start, like I said, with the news. Um, for starters, a bit of good news, Matthew Judon named AFC defensive player of the week this week. Um, yep. he had a dominant week, uh, deserves the recognition. He's been a beast, you know, especially this year, but I mean, ever since he's really signed here, Judon's been dominant on defense. Um, just a note, I don't know, but any thoughts on that besides, you know, kudos to him. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he's actually, I was a little surprised to see this. He's the first Patriots linebacker to win it. Since Kyle Van Noy in 2019, early in the 2019 season, like mm-hmm. the peak boogeyman era, right? So, you know, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, generally known for linebackers. And we've talked a lot on this show about kind of what's happened with the linebacker position with this team in the last couple of years. And just, you know, it kind of shows you. I, I, it feels weird, you know, three years without a linebacker winning defensive player of the week in New England. It, I was kind of surprised that it was that long. And then I thought about it and I was like, well... I guess when, you know, I was a little surprised Judon didn't win it at some point last year. I think he had one yeah. game where he had two and a half sacks. And I meant to go back and look who actually won it that week. Um, I want to say Trayvon Diggs had like three picks or something. Some corner I remember had an insane week. But it is kind of interesting. You talk about what, what the, the the changeover of the linebacker position in New England. And that's, you know, kind of you, you can see it sort of there. Right. Well, again, kudos to Judon. He was he was yep. dominant last week against those uh Against the number one scoring offense in the NFL. No way to chop it up. That's what they were last week. So uh, that's that for Judon. We also had uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, who has been getting plenty of reps in the Patriots offense at wide receiver the last few weeks. Uh, he was waived, ended up clearing waivers, and then returned to the practice squad. And uh, in a sort of subsequent move, it looks like Tristan Vizcaino, the backup kicker, was uh, seems to be the odd man out in this situation. So Humphrey back on the practice squad, but, uh, you know, could be a potential call-up on Sunday, I guess. Practice squad call-up, depending on how they want to play it. But, uh, yeah, Lil' Jordan waved. So they finally made these transactions official. Um, 
like a couple minutes ago, actually. So Vizcaino didn't end up getting waived. We all thought he did at practice because okay. he wasn't out there. Uh, instead, they promoted Kevin Harris to the active roster. So Kevin, they basically, essentially what they did is they swapped Kevin Harris and little Jordan Humphrey. They, there's all rigmarole to it, right. the way the NFL works. But the roster is full again with those moves. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I don't think we've seen the last of little Jordan Humphrey. He's guy was very involved. I think they felt very comfortable with that package they had with him. They can still, they elevated him the first week. He didn't get added to the active roster until the second week, but they can still elevate him twice. And then they could always bring him back on the active roster as well. I wouldn't rule that out further down the road. So I, even though he's back on the practice, squad, there was never any doubt, you know, outside of him, maybe being claimed on waivers, right? There was never any doubt that they were going to bring him back. His locker was still set up. Is that practice today right there? So, yeah, I, I I don't think we've seen the last of him. Yeah, that was a guy, too, that when he had such a great camp and ended up getting cut, I remember you had said that you would be kind of surprised if he didn't end up yeah, getting claimed. I'm, and I'm surprised again, honestly. Yeah, right. He, he wasn't claimed the first time, comes back, plays on the 53, plays some snaps, isn't, isn't an integral part of the passing game, per se, but um, is out there. Getting you know, getting reps, getting snaps in, and played pretty well for what they asked him to do. Doesn't get claimed again, so uh, like we said, LJ's back uh, at least on the practice squad and could be a call up. Um, another little bit of news, I guess, linebacker Calvin Munson uh, also added to the practice squad. He's been here a few times, back and forth. Um, we talked a little bit too just now about the Patriots linebacker room, but it's sort of a room that though they've played pretty well, we've given like guys like Jelani Tavai, you know, his his roses multiple times here over the last several weeks, but it's still a room that is really ever changing guys sort of popping in and out. Like we said, we got Jamie Collins here too. So uh, thoughts on Munson coming back in the fold. Oh, to me, he's more of a special teams guy. That that's the role the last two times he's been here. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. anytime they allow a big return or, or they, a big play happens on special teams, maybe they get a punt block to kick block. And then they bring in a guy like this. It stands out and look, they, they signed him, but they also worked out Troy Apke. They also worked out, I'm blanking on the names. This is a rookie safety from Kentucky who I thought might be a fit during the draft, who's basically a special teams player. So um, it, it tells me that they still believe that there's holes to fill on that special teams unit. Maybe it's Munson. Maybe it'll be somebody else, but he's somebody, you know, maybe not this week. They've got some injuries. They're going to need to promote guys. Garrett Gilbert, if Mac doesn't play you figures one promotion, I'm still not, you know, entirely unconvinced that JJ Taylor could get a promotion yeah. even with, uh, Kevin Harris being act, added to the active roster, which I'm sure we'll get to here, mm-hmm. but he's a guy I think over the next couple of weeks we'll probably see in a game at some point. Played six games last time he was here in uh, was I forget if it was 2020 or last year. Played six games almost entirely on special teams. Yeah, so um, alluding to what you were just getting to, save the best for last. Obviously, not the best. I don't want to call it the best. We're talking about you know an injury here, but uh, what's the biggest? I mean, a player added to the, the active biggest. roster yeah, is kind sure. of a big. Yeah, you don't get much bigger transactions, relatively speaking, than that. Right, so Kevin Harris, Kevin Harris added to the 53-man roster from the practice squad um, in light of the Damian Harris hamstring injury. Uh, we'll get into the injuries for a second, but or in a second, but Harris has been limited all week with the hammy. There's been re- several reports that he is most likely a no-go this week and maybe for the next several weeks. Um, so Kevin Harris looks like he's getting the green light, if you will, to be that so- that in that sort of backup role with Pierre Strong and potentially J.J. Taylor. Yeah, it feels like it. And, and look, I was a little surprised that they they generally like experience at that position, right? I thought it was going to be J.J. Taylor getting the call. Yeah. Now, Kevin Harris impressed in the preseason. He was their leading rusher. He, he, I mean, he was impressive before that. He led the SEC in rushing yards in 2020, but 
he did have some trouble putting the ball on the ground. Now it's been mm-hmm. six, seven weeks since we last saw him. So you figure that's something they've worked on. And I think stylistically he's probably a better fit at this point. Cause he's a big physical downhill runner. And as well as Ramondre ran the ball in that game against Detroit, one of the things that, that the coaches and his teammates really came away praising was his pass pro, his pass protection. Yeah. So that tells me that that's an area where they want to maximize him is as a third down back as a pass protector, catching the ball out of the backfield could be a big week for screens, right? So if they're going to do that, well, now you need somebody to kind of lessen the load on the early downs, that downhill runner. And even more so than maybe Pierre Strong, who's already on the roster and certainly than J.J. Taylor, that's Kevin right. Harris. Kevin Harris, somebody said it in the chat, is a bowling ball. So it's an interesting spot for him. I've done this spiel before. The Patriots don't play rookie running backs, and James White only had 14 touches as a rookie. Only one rookie before last year had ever had more than 100 touches in a season, a non-first-round rookie. Had ever yeah. had more than 100 touches in a season in Bill Belichick's offense, and that was J.R. Redmond all the way back in the year 2000. Now, Ramondre last year, due to injuries, gets a shot, and they never took him out of the rotation. He was too good. So if Kevin Harris can hold on to the football, he might or, or Pierre Strong, if, if he ends up getting it and Kevin Harris is the new third, but mm-hmm. there's a chance here for these rookies. One of these two guys is going to get the ball quite a bit on Sunday, right. and it's their chance to prove, hey, I may be a rookie, but I can still be a contributing member of this offense. Well, it's a good way to think about it, too, and I actually I didn't really think about it this way until you sort of just mentioned it, right? You have Stevenson, who's going to be the RB1, or the guy right. that they want to get as many touches as possible. So you might, you know, the average, if you will, fan or, you know, outsider will look and say, well, why don't they bring J.J. Taylor in to be the third down scat back type of player and give Ramondre the early down touches? Same with even Pierre Strong, who's been on the roster, and Harris is just on the practice squad. But... They're using Ramondre on every single drown. He they're they're morphing him into a pass catcher as much as he has like the downhill, you know, get you four or five yards on first down back. So if they bring in Harris and he can spell those carries, then they can use Ramondre on the later downs, which they want to do. So right. um it's basically just outlining it there. That's kind of it's good thinking. Football season is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events: MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. That's the news. Let's get into the injury reports. Um, we'll start with the Patriots and the big one, Mac Jones, who uh, was limited again in practice. We've seen the last couple days that um, it's something that many might not see as a big deal, but I've kind of seen it as a big deal. He has the knee brace back on his leg, which them do, using this as sort of gamesmanship, if you will, that we've talked about having him out there as limited for the reporters and then calling him limited after he throws a few passes during practice. Once he's getting fully geared up to go out and play, he's going to get reps. They're going to give him reps that, like, they're going to give him the reps that they want for their starter, potentially. So I think seeing him in, honestly, a little bit more equipment out on the field is a little bit of a tell. I don't know. What say you? I I think that's fair. Look, at the very least, why are you wearing a knee brace? 
You're wearing a knee brace right. to stabilize your knee. When do you need your knee stabilized? When you're running around, when you're running around, when you're taking live reps. Right. So at the very least, he's preparing to take live reps, which like you said, maybe wasn't the case the last couple of weeks. Exactly. I, does that mean he's going to, now does that mean he's going to play this week? He may take those live reps and they see them and they say, Hey, he's not ready. He needs another week. Right. But it's like that. It's, it's still a big step to me. Right. It's a tell. One it's, way it's, or the he's other. getting yeah. in one direction. Right. Yeah. Well, so I don't think it's a tell in terms of he's going to play or not going to play. Like I, you can't go that far, but sure. I think we can say he's made significant progress. I think we can feel confident saying he's made significant progress. And at this point, it may be a pain management thing more than right. anything else, a pain tolerance thing more than anything else. Like that's where I think that conversation starts to come in. I said from the beginning, from when he got hurt against Baltimore, I said, this was the first game that we were really realistically going to talk about this. I know I'm in the minority here. A lot of people are looking at next week in the bears and you get the extra day of rest and the Browns have miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. And it's, it's a much softer landing spot. I, I still think it's this week. I, I'm with you. With the way things have gone and the narrative around Bailey Zappi right now, Max got to play. Like, I think it's killing him. I think 100%. Zappi fever is killing him. He's going to come in and vaccinate everybody and, you know, regain his team. Yeah, how long were you no, waiting no, to use Zolak that and Bertrand. I can't take <laughs> okay, credit for that. Okay. and Bertrand. I don't know if they used it in that context, but that yeah. like, ma- maxination is Zolak and Bertrand thing. Max, maxinate the uh, the Zappy fever. I like it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm with you on that on that thinking. Again, it's people think that they don't listen to these storylines and listen to our nonsense in the media, but they do, and it's there. It's asked in the press conferences. You see Bailey Zappy standing up there smiling when Andrew Callahan asks him about Zappy fever. Like It's real, and it gets in the locker room whether they like it or not or whether they think they don't pay attention to it or not. I think he's going to want to play too. I think, again, like we said, him having the brace on him, continuing to progress, he's, he's the Patriots quarterback even though Bill Belichick hasn't said it yet, right? And right. I was going to get to this into the offense, but I kind of want to spill it in a little bit here because what Belichick says, and I, 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 I feel like a broken record here because we talk about it, but what Belichick says is gospel. And there has been time and time again, for example, when Brady was suspended, Jimmy played well. And after the game, they asked, is there a chance that Jimmy takes over for Brady? And he completely laughed it off and was like, stop asking that question. That's so stupid. Tom Brady's our quarterback. Cam Newton comes in over Mac Jones. There's several weeks where Cam's our quarterback, Cam's our quarterback, Cam's our quarterback. Cam then leaves. Uh, the whole COVID thing happens and he comes back and Mac's out repping him. When you started asking him about it then, he never he stopped saying Cam's our quarterback and he said, well, we'll see. Right. After that, Mac got the job. Ever since then, Mac's been our quarterback. Mac's our quarterback. Mac's it. You hear the mantra. They're asking him now when Bailey's at, or excuse me, when Mac Jones comes back and is healthy, is Bailey's out with the starter and Belichick doesn't scoff it off. He doesn't say no, Mac's our quarterback. He says, well, I'm not going to get into hypotheticals. We'll see how Matt, we'll see how it happens. I think there's something there. Call me crazy. Yeah, I don't know. He also said that Zappy's performance is totally independent of when Mac comes back, right? This is if true. he's really pushing Mac for the job. And that's the one definitive thing he said. I see where you're going, and yeah. you're not totally wrong for going in that direction. But the one thing that kind of you know works against that theory is he was asked, you know, does Bailey playing well buy Mac more time to get healthy? And Bill said that there's no direct correlation between the two. Right. So 
if Bailey was really pushing for the starting job, there would be. And again, I, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I know people think Bill Belichick like doesn't give the media anything. Right. He never really lies to the media either. There will be lies of omission. He will omit facts, mm-hmm. but he never says he very rarely, if ever, says things that just blatantly are not true. So when he says Bailey Zappi's performance has no correlation to Mac Jones' return, I believe at the time he says that that's true. Now, look, things can right. change. Maybe Bailey Zappi plays this week and he balls out on the Browns and suddenly Bill doesn't answer that question that way. Like you said, with Cam Newton, Cam was the quarterback until he wasn't, right? Right. But as of right now, I just, and, and I, I agree with this too personally, I just don't think Zappi's done enough to really push it. And 100% agree. Yeah. I I think him saying we'll see about Mac is more not wanting to establish any sort of timetable just for Mac returning. Like I think if if the question if if, if Zappy was played playing poorly, mm-hmm. I think the answer would be the same. I don't think he's saying we'll see because we'll see who the quarterback is. He doesn't want to go up there and say yeah, Mac's still a week away because then he looks like an idiot if Mac plays on Sunday, right? Right. So that's more how I read that. All fair points. Again, I'm not saying either, like you said, that Zappi is in any position to take this job yet. It's just the less time right. Mac's on the field and the more wins they or solid performances they have under Zappi, the more that question becomes up and ultimately has to get answered. Let's get back on track to the injuries because the Patriots still have plenty. Um, Josh Uche was added to the report today. Uh, Lawrence Guy, again, limited with the shoulder. Um and Damian Harris limited again. We kind of touched on him. No go on Sunday. But I want to go back to Guy for a second, only because this Browns de- this excuse me this Browns run game is going to be the key to the Patriots winning. The- or stopping the Browns run game is going to be the key to winning the game. Any chance Guy gets back out there this weekend? Because he's going to be he'll be a big factor if he's out there. I mean, I think the fact he's limited is good. And because yeah. he had a couple they, DNPs last week, right? He was DNP yeah. All they, week. they ran. Yeah. They ran a bunch of four defensive line looks, some four, three stuff, some over fronts last week. So it's clearly something they want to do it. And, and like, maybe they can manage him, right? Like that role Sam Roberts was in last week. I think he played yep. like 16% of the defensive snaps. If you could just get that from Lawrence guy this week, I think that would be encouraging. Shoulders tough to tell, right? Like we've been watching Mac like a Hawk at practice. How's he walking? Yep. How's he moving? You know, how does his legs look when he throws? We, we just watch stretching and maybe some positional drills. Shoulder is tough to, t- I, I, so guy didn't take part in the positional drills yesterday. We didn't get to see him today. So that, that's not a great sign, but I think the fact he's limited where he was a DNP last week, I think he's closer and maybe they can get him going, uh, in a limited role. Yeah. Two guys, uh, obviously Mac and guy who integral parts of this team slowly showing progress in the injury report. So it's all, it's, it's relatively good news on the injury front. Anyone else on the pats that popped to you? It, it all seems pretty, uh, Pretty much the same. Maybe Jonathan Jones is limited with the ankle, but, I mean, he's likely to play, I'm sure. Uh, Jalen Mills is still there with the hammy, but he played last week. So that that cornerback room is going to continue to be in rotation for this week, I, I feel. Uh, Nelson Aguilar with the hamstring is an interesting one to watch okay, for me yep. because we don't know what this new wide receiver rotation is going to look like. LJ's right. out. You know, Tyquan Thornton's back in the lineup now. Everybody kind of thinks he's the guy that realistically, regardless of injury, would take snaps away from Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar had that really bad drop last week that led to the pick. So they probably could if they really needed to give. And I know that there's a lot of people are going to say, well, he shouldn't be playing anyway. But 
whether, you know, let's, let's even say that they think he can bounce back and they want him out there. They realistically can give him another week to heal up with Tyquan Thornton healthy, you know, hamstrings right. are tricky. So do, is he inactive? Does he have a limited role like he did last week? Like that. And, and I guess John o. Smith kind of factors into that too. He didn't play last week. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to ask. If Max, he's back, they, can, they could go with some more of that 12 personnel stuff. So those two guys to me are, are situations to walk and they watch and they feel kind of right on the line. Aguilar and John o. Smith. Yeah. Well, uh, again, we'll have another update on that. Um, after Friday's practice tomorrow. So, uh, but yep. right now those are sort of the, the limited guys in the Patriots room, um, heading into the Browns. We'll look at the Browns injury report quick here too, because, uh, miles Garrett, who, as we know, was in that one car car accident, uh, several weeks ago, came back last week against the Panthers played pretty well. Um, he was limited on Wednesday, but then was a DNP today. It looks like it's probably just a rest, a rest situation to get him back in the, I guess, in the fold of this Browns defense. Um, but I guess that's something to monitor too is Miles Garrett being a DMP today. Yeah, certainly. I mean, anytime a player like that, you know, he built Bill called him a game wrecker earlier this week, and we'll get into this later, but um Bill doesn't call a lot of players that. So right. it stands out. And if he's not fully healthy, I think it's advantage to the Patriots. Um He's the one guy I totally. think more, you talked about Nick Chubb before. I think Miles Garrett's the one guy more than anybody else that could swing this game to the Browns. Yeah, agreed. Again, they have him. They have Clowney on the opposite side of him. So, like, that's right. going to be. Who also didn't that, practice today. Right. I think for the second day in a row, he didn't practice. Oh, yes, you're either. right. I'm sorry. Yep. Okay. You're right. I missed that too. So, yeah. if those guys can't go, if even one of those guys can't go, that's a huge advantage, right. Patriots. Um, like you said, though, me bringing up the run game, going back to it, Joel Batonio and Jack Conklin were listed. Um, I believe, Con yeah, Conklin was a DNP, but they, they noted his rest and it wasn't injury related. So, he'll be fine. But. Um, Joel Batonio, their guard was limited as well. And, uh, again, two guys that as much as Nick Chubbs, you know, the, the man out there in that run game, he, you can't do it without your offensive line. So anytime those guys are banged up, it's, it's something to watch too. But I mean, Batonio and Conklin have both been beasts for Cleveland for, you know, a few years now. Yeah. I, the other one is Denzel Ward, who's been out with the yep. concussion the last two days. I think he missed two days of practice with a concussion. You're probably not going to play. I know yeah. he's been off to a rough start this year, but I still think he's a tremendous player. Oh, I, mean, I really do. Yep. Um, I think very highly of him. So him not being out there, I mean, uh, 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 who's, who's the other corner for, from Northwestern? Why am I Greg blanking? Newsom, Greg Newsom, Greg, Greg Newsom. I have Newsom or Newton for some reason. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Greg Newsom like isn't bad, but I, they can, they can kind of scheme around him. Denzel Ward's yeah. a guy who you're looking at when he's on his game can potentially erase a, a wide receiver. So I think getting, you know, being out there, certainly it changes the way the Browns have to play defense. They don't have a ton of depth at corner to begin with. So that could be, you know, that could be a big flip for the Patriots. Definitely. It's again, that's another, another big one to watch. There's plenty of guys out here to watch because like we've said the last few weeks, when you get into this part of the season, the injuries are a huge factor because again, it's football. Um, before we get into right. previewing the offensive and defensive sides of the ball here, heading into Browns week, um, just want to talk to you quick about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you can have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We've done it here at CLNS Media, and it's worked out great for us so far. They make it super easy to post your job. You then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. 
Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. As we inch toward the end of 2022, LinkedIn Jobs can help you achieve that perfect end of the year with a new team member. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the, qual the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Offense, offense, offense here. Heading into uh, Cleveland on Sunday. Clearly, last week, we talked about it the last few days, right? But um, Bailey Zappi, third-string quarterback, coming in against the last – Well, it, it was an NFL defense, but they were the last – the worst defense in the league in the Lions. A much and not taller only that, they were basically on their second team secondary. Exactly. Right. So a much taller task here in Cleveland this weekend. Um, the Browns, the numbers don't show it as much as you'd think, but they like we just talked about half of them on the injury report. This team has dudes. Um, I think ultimately it's going to be a similar recipe to last week, however, run the dang ball with Ramondre. You got, yeah. <laughs> I know you don't want to kind of, we talked about it. You don't really want to ground and pound that guy till the end, but this is a game where you kind of have to. Uh, the Browns have a bottom five run defense in terms of yards per game, so I, I think it's going to circle around Stevenson, then you take your shots when you can, no matter who the quarterback is. Well, I mean, I think you can run the ball. You should be able to run the ball in this game without having to run Ramondre Stevenson into the ground, whether it's Kevin Harris, whether it's Pierre Strong, they should be able to run the ball. With those, but how do we know that about Kevin Harris? Right, it was preseason. I mean, again, we want to, we're going to want to see it before we, because that. I would assume if he's gotten this far in life, he can hit an open hole and pick up six yards. And it's more about, it, it's more about. No, I don't mean that to like kind of. I, I don't, you know, I don't mean that to come at you. Right. But I, the, the Browns' issues with run defense aren't because backs are running away from them. It's not like you know. The Browns running offense is so good. Look, they have a great offensive line, but you have Nick Chubb turning eight yard runs into 20 yard runs on a regular right. basis with the Browns. I mean, they're giving up a lot of ground. It, they, their defensive front just wants to rush the passer. They're very aggressive yep. with roughing the pass. They're getting all the way up the field and teams are running the ball behind them, you know, for five, six yards a carry. Sure. At the very least, these guys should be able to hit the holes and you hope they hold on to the football. That was an issue for Kevin Harris early in the uh early you know in, in training camp in the preseason right but i feel good uh, about whoever it is running the football in this game in some ways i think really on both sides of the ball the browns are just sort of a slightly better version of the lions right it's a run heavy okay. offense with a replacement level starting quarterback and it's a defense that isn't great but if you have to pick a strength it's the pass rushers mere like now right you know i'll take Jacoby Brissett over Jared Goff. I'll take Nick Chubb over Jamal Williams. Obviously, I'll take Miles Garrett over Aiden Hutchinson. But they're they're built really similarly. And by the way, you know who else is built really similarly? The Patriots. Right. Uh, oh yeah. But I just I think a lot of what the Patriots did last week, game plan wise, is applicable in this game as well, just with a higher level Agreed. of execution. So now, I guess the main story on the offense is be continue to be diving a little bit deeper into this this quarterback situation we both are of the mindset max gonna play it's more of an opinion-based question i guess but where do you think this offense goes if it's mac versus zappy because last week they zappy played well but they definitely had the handcuffs on him a little bit are they gonna continue to run this type of offense with mac at the helm is it gonna help or hurt them with mac at the helm if they change the offense that way i mean i would hope they've learned certain things from running this offense right. 
you know, it's not very explosive. The, the offense they're running with Bailey Zappi. It's very safe, like you said. But, man, the difference that play action has made, the difference that, you know, some of the draws they're running have made, some of this under center stuff, I would like to see them add that to what they were doing with Mac. I do think right. they go back to what they were doing, Matt, because let's not forget, like, I know people want to focus on the turnovers. First of all, three of the five turnovers, objectively not his fault. Second right. of all, around those, he's slinging the ball around the yard. I mean, he put up, what, over 300 yards on the Ravens, right? Yeah. I think it was 325 yards last time we right. saw him. So there is, they, they were leading the NFL in big plays. There is mm-hmm. big play potential in that offense. It's just yeah, a matter of getting it. things under control. I think Mac being on the same page as his receivers, which we'll see where they're at after they miss a couple weeks, would go a long way. And again, a lot of those interceptions are not, you know, you can kind of eliminate them with basic coaching. Right. So, and, and the penalties too have cleaned up. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the issues that, that happened with the Mac Jones offense have right. been cleaned up. Now it's just, can you add some of these other elements? I felt like, again, it was explosive. There was big play potential, but it was very one dimensional. Yeah. Can you add some of these other dimensions you're running with Bailey Zappi when Mac Jones is on the field, can you please, please, please run play action? Can you right. run screens to guys like Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton? It's almost, can you ask your receivers to do a little more? Not because Matt can't do it all himself, but because it's very predictable because you're only asking him to, to operate on his own and you're not giving any change of pace looks. So I think they'll go back to a version of what they were running when Mac was healthy. I just hope it's expanded a little bit more as it should have been over right. the course of these couple of weeks, as you'd hope they would have done when Mac was out. Instead, it will just, the process is a little different. And it's a good point that you bring up, too. The fact that, I mean, we have the zappy fever here in New England right now. Mac was one and three as a starter, one and two, where, wherever that broke up. But, like, the the offense they ran against the, the Ravens, yes, there was, there were, there were turnovers there, but he was slinging the ball around the around the field. They were making big plays. Aguilar had a few plays. Kendrick Bourne again made a few plays. So it's like the pieces are there to make big plays happen, and you get Tyquan Thornton back. Where last week he didn't do much his first game back, and they had like two catches for seven yards. But there's big play potential, like you said, to be had, especially with Thornton on the outside. I think with the potential of Aguilar's injury coming into play and. Lil Jordan Humphrey maybe not being elevated due to the fact that they might elevate a guy like JJ Taylor potentially to have an extra running back there. Thornton's going to get reps again this week. And I think if Max out there, especially they're going to try and dial up some big plays for him. And they, again, they need to, cause that's right. You know, they, they, that's what this offense with Zappy's really missing is that down the field shot. And you're just, look, you can beat the Detroit lions playing like that. Some of these other teams, maybe not so much. Exactly. Um, last thing I wanted to note on the offense was basically just the fact that I know, you know, things turn over every, uh, every season personnel changes, play calls change, whatever. But reminder Stevenson's first 100 yard game as an NFL running back came against the Browns last year. It was that game. I think it was October, maybe November in Gillette. Um, it was Mac's best game throwing the ball and it was Stevenson's best game running the ball to date or to that date. So, um, again, things change over, but. I feel like there's maybe something to be had with the fact that, you know, Stevenson dominated this team before and Mac did as well. I, I certainly you think like, so. I think on the other yeah. side of the ball, last year's game's a little less relevant because they didn't have Nick Chubb in that game and it's a different right, quarterback. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was Baker and Baker got hurt and it was Keenum, right? Case Keenum was yes, the backup Case Keenum came was in. there. Yeah. But no, they, they seem to have the recipe last year. And, and look, Miles Garrett got his. 
Um, he got his one sack, but I thought I thought they handled it pretty well. I will say this for all the talk about running the football and what they're going to do, regardless of who the quarterback is. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest matchup when the Patriots have the ball, and I really I think that the matchup that will decide this game, forget Nick Chubb, the matchup to me that will decide this game is Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn against Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett. And I, I talked about this a little bit before. Bill Belichick earlier this week called those two guys game wreckers. And Bill Belichick will wax poetic about pretty much whatever player you ask him about. I always like to make the joke that the best player in the NFL at any given time is whoever Bill Belichick talked about yep. most recently, right? Nobody does this better than this guy. Nobody works harder than this guy. But you can sometimes tell when he's a little more genuine with that praise. And, and one yeah. that I've noticed for defensive players, when he calls a player a game wrecker or a game ruiner, like the guys that he's talked about that way, I went through and I look back at some transcripts. It's not a long list. It's both Bosa brothers, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, and Derwin James. Those are elite, high-end, all-pro, right, now, look, I'm not saying he's wrong to include Garrett in that category. He no. absolutely he absolutely belongs. He, he might be the best player on that list, well, besides Aaron Donald. But right. that that tells you they know, right? right? If Bill thinks that guy can ruin the game, I'm inclined to believe him. And the only way you're going to prevent those guys from ruining the game is Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown really showing up. And, and look, you're chipping with the running backs and the tight ends, and there's other players. Yeah, you got to scheme it well, up. The guards, but... I mean, it's it, it it falls on the shoulders mostly of those tackles. So if they can keep those guys out of things, they're going to run the ball well on this defense. They're going to be able yep. to stay in their comfort zone. Jacoby Brissett, good, not great. They should be able to force a turnover to on the defensive side of the ball and, and potentially take the Browns out of a situation where they can overly use Nick Chubb. And there you go. That's basically what happened last week. Yep. If you let Miles Garrett... And Jadavian Clowney starts sniffing around in the backfield, regardless of who the quarterback is, it could get out of hand pretty quickly because that's what those guys do, specifically Garrett. So that, to me, when the Patriots have the ball, is the biggest matchup I'm, I'm focused on. I agree. It's one we'll look forward to, and we'll obviously have to check out the injuries as well because, again, those two guys were— Right, assuming uh, those guys play. Good point. Right, of course. Um, Quick question, quick answer on the offense before we get into the defense. Yeah. If, Zappi, if Zappi's at the helm, does he play as well as he did against the Lions last week? And can they win with Zappy? They can win with him. Um, mm-hmm. Does he play as well as he did last week? I'd like to think he'll, he'll be a little better. He has an NFL start under his belt. I don't. Right. I don't think that the script flips. Right. I don't think he totally. You know. I don't think he's an AFC D- offensive player of the week or anything. And pull this. <laughs> but you also don't think does, he's going to curdle. Yeah. I. Well, so that that's where it goes back to to Garrett, right? Yeah, I think if they give him a clean pocket, it'll be more or less what he was last week. Without Denzel Ward, that Brown secondary is what it is. He should have opportunities to throw the ball. If Garrett's getting on him, like he really zappy. He didn't really face any pressure last week. He never faced a ton of pressure at Western Kentucky the way they ran their offense. Right. What's he going to look like when Miles Garrett's bearing down on him if it gets to that point? So that, you know, scared that that scares me a little bit. With Zappy, that's the one variable that we really, really don't know with him at this point. Right. We'll see what happens. Uh, it should be interesting. Again, still a question mark in the quarterback room. Me and Barth are both of in the, both of the mindset that Max going to trudge it out and play, but we'll see the decision may, they make coming over the next few days. Um, let's get into the defense against this Browns offense. Uh, the Browns offense 
They're the sixth highest scoring offense in the NFL, and they're the leading rushing attack in the NFL, averaging 192 yards per game on the ground. Nick Chubb leads the league in rushing yards. I'm of the mindset that Nick Chubb's the best pure running back in the NFL. There's plenty of guys who have the other skill sets, pass catching, you know, maybe elusiveness, et cetera. But Nick Chubb is the best downhill tackle breaker running back in the NFL. Uh, the Pats defense is in the middle of the pack against so far against run defenses in 2022. I guess the question is, Alex, can they contain Nick Chubb on Sunday? I think they can contain him, right? What does that mean? I, they're not holding him to like 20 yards. Right. If they do that, it's because they, they scored on their first drive, forced a turnover, scored on their next drive, and the Browns are thrown for the rest of the game. Yeah. The, what, what containing Nick Chubb is to me is he's going to get his four, five, six yards a pop off the offensive line you can't let those turn into 15 and 20 yard runs, which is what right. he does so well breaking yeah. tackles. You have to get him down at the point of contact. That's technically sound tackling. That's 11 guys swarming the football because then you can create maybe some third mediums. You're, it's very, very tough to get this Brown right. team in third and long. Yeah. But you can create some third mediums where maybe you put the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hands and that's your opportunity to take advantage. That's, again, what they did against the Lions last week. Right. You know, that third and two becomes a fourth and nine. Now it's totally on Jared Goff to make the play. Boom, strip sack, touchdown, and the, the, the Lions really never recovered that from was that it. moment. Right. That, so that to me, it, it's going to be great if they can contain him in the backfield. That's going to be awesome. And maybe they'll do it a couple times. I don't think it's realistic to, to ask them to do I don't think it's realistic You're good. to expect them to do that all game. Right. Instead, I think what it's more about is just not letting him break those big ones. And, you know, if he gets four, he gets four, but that's it. And the Browns are going to have to find other ways to pick up chunk plays on offense. Right. You know, Which, saying, by the way, obviously. this is how a lot of teams beat the Patriots. They have a strong right. running attack. This is, this is what killed the Patriots down the stretch last year. Teams were stacking the box. They're taking away that run because when the Patriots were on that winning streak, it was big plays from Damien Harris, Ramondre Steve, and Ramondre Stevenson that kind of cued a lot of those wins. Right. And teams keyed in on that more after the bye. Patriots couldn't find the big play elsewhere. They couldn't find it throwing the football, and that was a big part of their their downfall. Same idea. You've got to force them into a situation where they feel like they have to take the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands. Like they're right. not going to get that big play if they just keep handing the ball off to Nick Chubb because they're going to think that coming in and they should, you got to take that option away. And again, I, like I was going to say, like it's, it's a cliche, I guess it's the, the age old saying, right. You can't, you can't stop Nick Chubb. You can only hope to contain him, but containing Nick Chubb. Right. Is he's going to get his, but it's, it's not allowing him to break those tackles. And like you said, break off those 25 yard runs because then that sets them up in first and 10. And then they just end up running the ball to Nick Chubb again, where if you can stop him running the football and breaking those tackles, keeping them in their second and third down stretch, then you have Jacoby Brissett who has to throw the ball against this Patriots secondary that keeps getting better, like literally in front of our eyes every single week. I'm obsessed right. with both of these units right now at cornerback and at safety. We, I was worried about corner coming into this year during camp. They didn't look great. There was, you know, Terrence Mitchell and Malcolm Butler were in the room, and it was like, Jack Jones is young. Marcus Jones is young. What can you expect from them? But uh, take away Marcus Jones for a second, obviously. Jack Jones has been a stud. 
I yeah. forget if we talked about it on here, but he's in top five for defensive rookie of the year now. Um, he looks like a rotational player that they're going to continue to trust. We we were wondering about the trust in Jack, Jack Jones going into last week um, after there was a lot of boomer bust plays in Green Bay, but they tested him a couple times, the Lions did, against Jared Goff, and he passed the test, I thought. Um, so, again, if they could get Jacoby to throw, I think that they're going to be in trouble against the secondary. Because, too, you look at the Browns, personnel and you have Amari Cooper who's Amari Cooper he's 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 a solid uh, wide receiver in the league David Njoku who's probably having his best year uh, as tight end but then after that it's it's done for people's Jones and like guys like David Bell and Anthony Schwartz who are low tier wide receivers in the league yeah I'd agree and and Cooper's even banged up this week he's on the injury he was on the yeah. injury report I believe today um I'm trying to find it real quick here yeah he didn't practice or sorry he's a full participant for second day in a row not injury, not injury related, but who knows what's going on there. Right. I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think that you saw last week what Kyle Duggar can do against a quality tight end in TJ Hawkins. Yep. And I, I trust him to take care of David and Joku. I don't think that that's much to worry about. I, frankly, Jack Jones and Jalen Mills on Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones flip a coin at this point. I probably go Mills on Cooper, the veteran on yeah. the veteran. Right. right. Let Jack Jones go go against Peoples Jones, a bit of a younger receiver. David Bell really does not scare me in the slot. The, no. Really, the, the third guy to me is Anthony Schwartz, just because right. he does have that rare speed. But that's where Jonathan Jones goes. Right. I, I yep. Jonathan Jones probably could take Amari Cooper as well. Um, I'd be a little hesitant putting him on Donovan Peoples Jones because of the size. It's a I don't want to say it's a mismatch for the Patriots. They have the corners to cover everybody, but there's no. Again, outside of Jones and Schwartz for the speed, when when Schwartz is on the field, which won't be every down, right? There's no real like, oh yeah, he's on that guy, he's on that guy. Like you can kind of spin the dial however you want. Maybe right. that means the Patriots play some zone in this game, try to bait Jacoby with some looks, things like that. But the secondary should be able to to keep this thing locked up. Yeah, agreed. Sorry, I got something coming down the pipe for our Thursday night football that I had to get in there and I wanted to look okay. at. But uh, uh, yeah. So again, like. They'll rotate those. You said they'll rotate those corners. I'm not worried about the cornerbacks on these receivers, even though it's guys like Amari Cooper, who, like you said, might be banged up. But um, any other final thoughts on the defense here? I think that the cookbook is pretty clear on both sides of the ball here. Obviously, me and you, are, Alex, aren't the game planners, and we're not in those meeting rooms every day. But I feel like again, it's the cookbooks. It's right there. You just got to kind of make the cake. Yeah, again, I, I think it's the same thing as last week. I think that there's right. a lot of copy and paste you can do from last week. It's simply just uh, executing at a higher level because right. there's better players on the other side. But the, again, the Browns and the Lions are built very, very similar to each other. They're built similar, but again, again, it's like there's dudes, there's guys, real high-quality NFL players on the Browns where you they're far and few, few and far between right. on the Detroit Lions. Um, right. All right, so that's what me and Alex kind of have on the offensive and defense here. We uh, went through it quicker than normal, but again, like I said, the, the cookbook's pretty much there. We'll see what they can do. Um, let's talk a little bit about this Thursday night football matchup coming down uh, tonight in Chicago. I finally got where the game is going to be at prior, so we don't have Seriously, to look it go. up. Yeah, uh, Commanders at Bears. Um, the reason I stopped talking earlier when we were going through the defense because I was trying to pre-prep for Thursday Night Football here, and we thought it was going to be the return of Nikhil Harry. 
He's inactive tonight. Uh, for the next Bears. week. It's just going to be that more dramatic. It's going to be week. next week, next Monday night. Uh, in Foxborough will be potentially the return of Nikhil Harry to NFL football since he was traded for a seventh-round pick earlier this offseason. Um, commanders at Bears, call me crazy. There's something in the air today with Dan Snyder news as well, but I like the Commanders tonight in Chicago. I it's a, So this is going to be a blowout one way or the other. Because you just don't know which way it's going to go. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We all heard what Ron Rivera said this week, right? About yep. Carson, Carson Wentz. It's the quarterback. How's, you feel like there's going to be an extreme response to that. It's mm-hmm. just which way, right? Is Carson Wentz going to show his coach, hey, man, I'm not the problem. Look what I'm doing out here. Are we going to get MVP Carson Wentz? Or is it just such a kick in the nads to hear your coach say yeah, that? No, it... That he's going to come out and lay an egg. Um, I feel like the commanders are going to have a very extreme game. I don't know if it's going to be extremely good or extremely bad, but they're going to have a very extreme game. I'll tell you this, this game is going to be an absolute mess. And I cannot wait. I had the time of my life watching that game last week. They put that stat up in the fourth quarter that said, there's never been a game with two quarterbacks with four plus pro bowls each that did not have a touchdown. The second they put that stat up, I was locked in. Yeah, I was ready yep. to go. I lost it when, when Stefan Gilmore had that interception. So mm-hmm. I, I look, there's no such thing as bad football. If you're watching football, you're having a good time when it gets a little, I don't think there's bad football. There's weird football. I yep. love weird football. This game screams weird football. I can't Sc- wait. Screams weird football again. Going back to last Thursday though, quickly. We didn't, I don't think we touched on it the other day. It's like, I, I fell asleep after the Broncos had the ball going into the red zone, and I was like, oh, two minutes left. They're going to set it out, whatever. Broncos win. I wake up, and the Colts win in overtime. It was like going back, watching the highlights. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, and tonight might get even crazier. It looks like the Commanders are one-point favorites. I believe they were originally underdogs, and it might have moved in the Commanders' it was favor. A pick um, it was a pick I thought, initially. Okay, maybe you're Which, right. A but, game like this 100% should be a pick em. Oh, yeah. You, just, there's no side here. As a sports betting a team, writer, there's no side here. Yeah. Pick and, a team uh, to win. And you, you there's, there's going to be enough going on that trying to root for a spread and do all the math in your head and all that, it's just not. No, no. Just pick right. a team, root for a team. It's that simple. That's what this game should be. There's no edge, edge in this game. I will point out again, too, the reason I like the Commanders, it's, it's, I guess it's stupid logic because Carson Wentz threw for like 350 yards last week. He slings the ball around, around the yard for good or for bad. He made some bonehead plays at the goal line, but like, I don't know. There's something about Carson Wentz on Thursday. I think I read a stat where he's like very, very good on Thursday night. He has like, he's thrown a lot of touchdowns and he's limited turnovers. I don't know why. Um, cause again, it's tough to kind of put that into, Oh, it's real because it's Thursday night. It's the same with like Kirk cousins and prime. shouldn't say that Kirk cousins in prime time is really bad, but specifically Monday night, he was losing a lot of games. Yeah. Anyway, commanders are my pick. What do you think? Who's your winner? Just take one. I guess I'll go commanders based off. Okay. The, no, you know what? I'm going bears. I think Wentz no turtles, I think he turtles. Okay. I think that, that what Ron Rivera said really gets to him. Um, it's also raining in Chicago, or it was raining in Chicago today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will still be raining by the time the game kicks off, but yeah, for a team like the Bears that loves to run the football and get sloppy, that's that's advantage Bears. So um, 
The one other cool storyline in this now I'm thinking about is Brian Robinson starting this week, right? For oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, good stuff. Shot a couple months ago. So uh, I hope Brian Robinson has a very good game, obviously, and roll tide as well. Yes. But, um, you know, I'm going to say the Bears because it's funnier. All right. It's funnier if, if Ron Rivera dumps on his quarterback during the week and then he comes out and lays an egg. I'm going with that. I'm going with Bears. I like it. Then maybe we can see some uh, Sam Howell in action against the, for the Commanders if they do end up moving on from Carson Wentz. Um, all right. If we want to, listeners, uh, come on in and we'll do some quick Q&A in the chat. Um, we don't have any coming up yet, so I guess we can start off with Patriots. We can go into a college football minute as questions come in, um, and we can kind of mix those well, all together. Patriot, anybody got one real quick? Patriots question? Here we go. Because let's let's end it with the college football. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, you're right. Um, How can the Patriots improve their offensive productivity in the red zone? It's a good question, and I think it. I'll let you get into it a little bit more in depth, but I think that's gonna it's gonna make or, it's gonna be like a make or break with whether it's Mac or Zappy. I, I I think regardless, their biggest issue they've actually scored. And it goes back to last year. It's really the same issues it was last year. They can score from you know just outside the red zone, the 25 yard line. They can score from inside the five. It's that in between where they really struggle. And I don't even know that it's a strategic thing. It's turnovers and penalties. That's what's been derailing, derailing them is turnovers and penalties. They've just got it. Like, it sounds simple. I know it sounds like no dub, but they just got to play less sloppy in the red zone. I think yeah. the call, like, like they've been more conservative with Zappy. They don't really seem to want to throw the ball in the red zone. That's part right. of it. But yeah. Even going back to Mac, it was just if they clean it up, the calls are there. They've just got to clean it up. Yeah, I agree. Um, another question that just came up, which uh, I wanted to add on. We talked about this earlier in the week. Players yeah. from the Panthers, you would like to see the Pats add. Um, I heard it on 98.5 today uh, with Zolak and Bertrand. Bree was on, and he mentioned Shaq Thompson, uh, the linebacker with Carolina. I think that he would be a good addition to this linebacker room that – we talked about it during the injury report a little bit with or and with Munson coming in as well. But like he's a guy who he's a little bit older and he's a very versatile linebacker, which is kind of the type of defense they've wanted to play here. And with the constant turnover, I think that Shaq Thompson just fits. Uh, he seems like a Belichick type player. He was also drafted by the Boston Red Sox in baseball, which yes, you could you could bring him home as well. But uh, that's one guy where I realistically could see them potentially getting into the fold if Shaq Thompson's for sale and there is a fire sale in Carolina. Yeah, like if we're being realistic, you know, if I could pick one guy, it's probably DJ Burns. Yeah, um, Brian Brad, No, you're right. Actually, yeah, it'd be Brad, dude. Burns and Judon, like hell yeah. yeah. Talk yeah. about <laughs> talk about bookends, Clowny and Clowny and right. Garrett, right? Um, realistically, Shaq Thompson would make a ton of sense. He's a very Patriots-like linebacker. Yeah. His contract set up in a way that it would make sense for the Panthers to want to deal him. Uh, the Patriots could maybe extend him less than the cap hit that's coming up. He's 28 years old, uh, signed through age 30, signed through age like 31, 32, you lessen that cap hit. And again, just a very Patriots linebacker. It, being realistic, I think that's the guy. Um, this is an interesting one along those lines. In theory, this actually does make a lot of sense for the Patriots. They get a guy who's probably a little bit better than Aguilar, and the Panthers get a guy who's coming off the books next year, whereas Robbie Anderson signed for another two years. The problem is the Panthers don't want players. They don't want to be good. They're tanking. They want C.J. Stroud. They, you know, they want Bryce Young. They're not going to do this. 
they're going to say, we don't, why do we want Nell Snagler? Give us a pick. So it's an interesting idea, but this is not, I don't think this kind of trade the Panthers are making right now. Again, they're, yeah, they're not trying to bring in players. They're trying to bring in assets and picks. Um, yeah. There was one more that, let me see if I can find it. Uh, well, I'm not going to answer this one because this is your cup of tea, but I figured you'd like to see it. Talk, draft talk already in week six. Yeah. So if you got any um, answers, go for it. But uh, I'll find the other one I was looking for. I'll just too. say real quick, I don't know how, I don't think they'll be picking high enough because this guy's a potential top five pick. Peter Skaronsky is the left tackle for Northwestern. He's pretty damn good. Like he's going to be that guy in this. And there's some, there, I, I like the depth in this tackle class, but I, I assume this question is about replacing Isaiah Wynn. Peter Skaronsky would be that guy. I, I They're going to have to finish with like three, four wins to have a shot at him. Yeah. We'll get a, we'll get more in depth in the draft. Uh, Oh yeah. Once the we'll season, of course, we'll get to that. Uh, last yeah. question. It has to do with Zappy sort of because they've ran a lot of six alignment sets, uh, putting Marcus Cannon in that uh, tight end eligible position. Um, do you think that, and we mentioned this a little bit as far as them running the Zappy offense when Matt comes back, do you think this is something they continue to run? Cause I think it's worked out pretty well for them so far. Yeah. They didn't have the personnel for it right. before they signed Marcus Cannon. So I think that's a part of it. It should still be a big part of what they do. I would hope so. Agreed. I'm going to um, slide in one more question to transition us to the college football minute because I get asked already. this question a lot, and it's a good question. I I understand why people ask this. It's tough to watch Pew. college oh, football. You can yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's there we tough go. to watch college football when you've watched. You know, from New England, we really only watch pro sports. It's all about a title. The thing to understand about college football, and I I know people are going to hear this and say, "What are you talking about? That sucks. That's stupid." If you actually open your mind to watching it like this, it's a ton of fun. College football is not, unless you're like one of four programs, unless you're Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, it's not really about the national championship. Right. Like that's not, you know, in the NFL, every team in training camp, our goal is to win a Super Bowl. Our goal is to win a Super Bowl. That's not really what this is. It's the, the goal in college football is to win your conference and win a bowl game. Mm -hmm. That's what these teams judge themselves on, right? The, the college, the college football championship is not the equivalent of the Super Bowl. It would be more like the equivalent of if the Super Bowl winner played the winner of the gray cup, which is the, the CFL championship, right? So it's, it's cool to follow the college football chase. It's almost like another conference, the playoff chase, but Really, you're watching, and, and this is how I started to really fall in love with it and would open the door for me. You're really watching like seven or eight different leagues, yeah, all happening at once. And they all feel different. Do, right. And and look, they all play football differently. And right. the SEC stylistically is different from the Big Ten, is different from the Big 12, is different from the Pac 12. The ACC really it's all over the map. Mm -hmm. But you know, the SEC chase is always close. And yep. it's not always Bama that wins the SEC. By the way, they've made the playoffs quite a bit as a non-SEC champion. Big Ten, you know, it's the same teams, but there's five or six teams that rotate. Like Ohio State's going to run away this year, but you get Michigan. You get Michigan State. In the Penn mix. State's been in there. Penn State's in there. Wisconsin's usually pretty good, right? Um, the Pac-12's had nobody. I mean, that's been wide open for years. This year, it's really fun where Utah – USC and UCLA all might be playoff contenders, 
And in the Big 12, I, that's wide open as well. TCU, Kansas, if Jalen Daniels is healthy, I'm still not ruling out Texas now that Quinn Ewers is back. So um, to, to reply to the person who just commented here, I don't watch F1. I don't really know how that works. But if you enjoy F1 and that's the comp you can make, absolutely. So that I tell people that all the time. How do I get into college football? That's the first thing I say. Don't worry about national championship. That's not really what it's about. It's about the conference. Here's the three things every college football team wants to do. Win the conference, win a bowl game, beat your rival. Those are, if you do those three things, unless you're Alabama, Ohio state or Georgia, if you do those three things, you are, you're, you had a successful season as a college football program playoff right now. That's so that's, if you watch it through that lens, it's really a ton of fun because there actually is a ton of parody. Barth, what an outstanding college football minute monologue right there. That's exactly why we love this damn sport. It's great. We have a great weekend coming up. If you didn't uh, catch all that, really, you have to go back and listen to what Alex said because that's, like you said, that's the reason you watch college football. It's not all about the national championship as much as it seems like it is. There's, you know, there's recruiting aspects. There's guys getting to the league. There's, there's so much more than just the national championship, which is, I mean, outstanding in itself, but there's more to it. We have a great weekend of college ball coming up. Uh, the first great is in the slate. big, first game in the Big Ten. Number ten Penn State at number five Michigan. Two top ten teams going at it. No, wait, hang team. on. Are we are we going to build up to the biggest game? Is that your plan here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then I need I need to slip one in before we okay. even get to that because there's a okay. very big game that nobody knows about this week, and All that right. is the Dakota marker, North Dakota State versus South Dakota State. There is NFL talent in this game. There are guys who will go in the draft in this game. Everybody knows about North Dakota State and the Fargo Dome, and they they win all these FCS national championships. Carson Wentz, Trey Lance, there's guys right. that come out of there. Christian Watson. Well, South Dakota State's no, they're number one in the country. South Dakota State's number two. Mm-hmm. So this is one and two in the country. It's a big time rivalry. This is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Huge, huge game at the FCS level. Uh, it's at South Dakota State this year, so no Fargo Dome, but awesome game coming up this weekend. North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Get it on, you know. I have like a three or four TV setup when I'm watching college football. That will probably be, it'll probably start as screen three. Cause I believe it's at three 30. So, you know, Alabama, but that, that had, that'll probably move up to screen two at some point later in the game. Am I correct in saying that Patriots running back Pierre strong went to South Dakota state, South Dakota state. Yeah. Pierre strong. So if you want rooting interest in that I one, you know, say, that's the other yep. thing I tell people, I don't know who to root for. You can root for college teams for any reason. You like yep. the mascot. You like the colors. You had family members who went there. There's an NFL player you liked that went there. Like, no reason. Logos, too small. colors. Yep, anything. Like, and and there's kind of a, like some people make this joke that, and and people have tried to prove it that when a college team wins, the alums play better the next day in the NFL. So Pierre Strong might kind of have a somewhat big role for the Patriots this week. That's something a huge win for his alma mater. Maybe he gets that little boost, right? Yep. Uh, (laughs) I like it. Anyway, it's no, it's good. It's again, it's normally I root for North Dakota state because I liked, you know, I liked Carson. I liked Trey Lance when they were there because they were like guys who you watch in not so big games, if you will. So you got me my rooting interest now with Pierre strong there though. Um, There you go. Penn state, Michigan mentioned it. Big, 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 big 10 game, two teams that, uh, the winner will continue to vie for a playoff spot here. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about it, but it's just going to be one of those like noontime Big Ten games that's just going to be gritty and fun to watch. Well, it's going to be interesting because neither of these teams have played anybody. 
right? right? They're both ranked in the top 10, but neither one has a quality win. Penn State yeah. beat Auburn, but Auburn low-key sucks. We didn't really yeah, know that, that when they played, year. but we know now. Right. So we're going to learn something about at least one of these teams in this game, and that's what's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, if Michigan wins, they have a playoff chance. If Penn State wins, then we kind of see where Michigan goes because Michigan's schedule gets pretty tough from here. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, that's a real learning game. This game's going to be yeah. a real learning experience. I'll say that. Definitely. Also, um, Blake think- Forum, Michigan's running back, screams future Patriot. Sure does. There's plenty of guys that do. He's definitely one of them. Um, yeah. Okay, there's one game that I want to get to before the big dog here. It's USC versus Utah. Um, we talked about the Pac-12 a little bit, but these are two teams, again, that maybe the winner vies for a playoff spot if, if they get there. Um, obviously, USC has the Lincoln-Riley. It's the Lincoln-Riley show with uh, – you know, him and Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison. And it's just, it's fun. USC football feels like it's important again. Um, but Utah is right at their heels and they kind of have been for the last couple of years. Um, I believe that game's in Utah. It That's is, another, yeah. it is in Utah. So that adds a little bit of a wrinkle to it. Um, any additional thoughts on that game besides if Caleb Williams continues to impress, he can sort of make his, we'll get into Heisman a little bit in the last game, but like he can still stick around with Bryce Young out maybe in the Heisman race. Yeah, I, I love this game because you have, you know, all the pomp and circumstance of Hollywood and this, you know, high-flying yeah. electric offense. And that Utah team, they are scrappy. They play hard. Yep. You know, defensive-focused team. They run the ball on offense. That's I, – I had USC's playoff pick coming into the season. Yep. If they win this game, look, they still got to play UCLA. who's going to be tough. But if they can win a game like this, that shows that they're legit on the national stage. So yeah. I, I love, uh, I think you, Utah is going to give them a game. I think USC pulls it out though. I, I really believe in how talented this team is. I agree. That's a game that I'm looking forward to again, because I've been a USC guy for the last couple of years. Me and Bar- Barth have been giving me crap about it with Keaton Slovis and that whole thing. They've yeah. totally transferred over from the, um, who was there? Who was their head coach before Lincoln Riley that they can't, it wasn't Helton. There was somebody in between. Wasn't there? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. But regardless, it, there's been turnover at USC. They're they're very exciting. Again, it feels like you said the Hollywood vibe. Um, so that's one you should look out for. Any more games before we get to the final one? Yeah. Uh, NC Oklahoma State, Syracuse. NC State, Syracuse, huge game in the ACC. Syracuse is undefeated. Dome. But it, they also like haven't really played anybody, so it's interesting. Um, I yeah. also really like Devin Leary, so that's going to be a very fun watch. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky is is an interesting game you you i think will levis is supposed to be back for that so kentucky a chance to kind of catch themselves after a rough couple of weeks oklahoma state tcu tcu just yep. knocked off kansas but oklahoma state i think right now is the favorite to win the big 12 because quinn ewers was hurt and they got that two game jump on texas yep this is a tough test so that's going to be a big time game but of course the game of the week game of the week guys we are trying to bring this college football minute to bring college football life to you guys. If there's one single game you watch this weekend, it's Alabama at Tennessee. There are so, so, so many different angles to this game that I just cannot wait to watch. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker has been a top three quarterback in the country all season. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, one of the best quarterbacks in the league or in the country. He's hurt. Will he play? Will he not? They have Jalen Milrow backing him up. Um, So there's plenty of on-field talent that's exciting. Barth, I think I tagged you in a tweet regarding it, but the they approved 
color rush uniforms for this. Oh, that that was a uh, that was a joke account. Was it a joke? Because yeah. I thought it was dead serious. That I thought I looked guy, into it and saw it again. Guy, he got me too. He tweeted something about Tennessee putting an express order for new goalposts already because they're worried. Oh, about that's their the same guy. That's the same. It was the same guy because I saw the color rush that's post too when I was looking through. Okay, well, whether there's color rush or not, good game. But I also thought I heard, and this could be this could be false true for all I know. I'm I guess I'm a fake news magnet right now. But um, checkered end zones, checkered uniforms for Tennessee. Then potentially, I thought I saw something there. there there's going to be some sort of aspect outside the game that 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 place is just going to be bumping. I look, you don't need anything new. It's an old school game. It's one of the oldest played rivalries in college football. This is it's the first time both teams have ever been ranked in the top six. I mean, this is the biggest yeah. third Saturday in October in history. Yeah. Don't get I don't need bells and whistles. I need Bryce Young on the field. I know. I don't, That's what I'm let's waiting on. Let's not do this with a backup quarterback. I know. But and Jameer um, Gibbs too, another Heisman guy in yeah. there. There there's there's so much talent on the field on on Saturday night. Here's the question, how many future Saturday. Patriots are playing in this game? It's multiple. It's definitely it's multiple. multiple. It's definitely I, multiple. I'd say draft picks at least one. Total future, probably four or five. At least. Undrafted, it's out the it's out the roof. I mean, I even look. I just mentioned him, but a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who I don't know how I don't know his draft profile, but that's a guy who, again, it's like I mentioned it last week when we were talking about letting you know Stevenson be the bell cow here, and we're going back to the Patriots for a second here. But letting Stevenson be the bell cow and Harris be the spell guy, they're not going to want to pay Stevenson on his second contract either. So continue to just rush running backs in here like crazy. I would love to see. A guy like yeah, Gibbs is Gibbs going to be first round pick though. I mean, he's I know for for that time, like I know him, but he's he he can play. Kids, yeah, yeah. Sure. So he's a special guy. Will Anderson's there in Alabama too. This it's just studs in this game. Tennessee, I I did not see them as being this good this year. Uh, this late, and, I, I mean, Hendrick again, Hooker took a leap, man. Hendrick yeah, Hooker took he really, a leap. He was yeah. he he went into the lab and put in the work this off season. Yeah, he's been sure. dominant. Um. So again, a bunch of Heisman candidates here. Um, I went and checked out the Heisman odds, um, and I believe. Give me one second to pull these up. I believe well, Headed Hooker is uh, second behind CJ Stroud. Stroud's the overwhelming favorite here. But we talked to, when last time we had the College Football Minute on here. You mentioned Headed Hooker becoming putting himself in the Heisman race. I kind of scoffed it off. Um, but he's done that since the last time we talked about it. He's second behind CJ Stroud, who, again, he's the overwhelming favorite at, like, negative odds. But Hendon Hooker and Caleb Williams are there, too. I mean, do you have a Heisman thought pick here? I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's up there, too. So it kind of feels like it's CJ Stroud's award to lose right now with the Bryce Young injury. Yeah, yeah. Bryce Young missing multiple games. You know, he's he. I, I honestly don't think he's out-out. He comes back this week, puts up, you know, 300-something yards. Talk about a Heisman moment. But right. I think it's between those those three quarterbacks you named um, in in Stroud, Williams, and Hooker. Yeah, maybe Gibbs gets in the mix. I just don't know. Um, the one I wonder if Jordan Addison could push I know. Caleb Williams. Right? That's like, could you get a Devonta Smith, Mac Jones thing if if right. CJ Stroud falls off and Hendon Hooker falls off, and it's down to those two guys personally. Personally, I think, you know, pound for pound, Jordan Addison's a better player than Caleb Williams. And sometimes yeah. that's what the voters look at. Uh, right. But I think it's going to be one of those three quarterbacks. I see people bringing up Will Anderson in the chat. Will Anderson should be a Heisman candidate, but 
the voters are stupid and they don't consider defense. So he gets my vote, but it's yeah. not going to happen realistically. Exactly. He's, I mean, he's the best player in the country right there, bar none. But like you said, yeah. they don't get it. I don't believe I see a single Will Anderson's there, but I, I believe Will Anderson's the only uh, defensive player on bet online's list. So, I mean, there's nobody else that's really like, uh, this, no, this I know. This is an but... offense heavy draft to begin with. It's an offense-heavy so. sport. No, but like uh, last year was a defense-heavy draft, though. Last yeah, year, that's fair. You know, their defense still matters. I know people don't want to think it matters, but it still matters anyway. Yeah, it does. Um, any last thoughts on the college football minute before we wrap this thing up? Uh, besides uh, watching the crap out of Alabama at Tennessee this weekend. I, I mean, there, there's games on this slate I love that we didn't even get to. So uh, if, if there was ever a there was ever a weekend to start college football. This is this is kind of it. Do it. I was gonna say we touched on the best ones, but there's plenty out there. Um, yeah, we'll continue to bring this back in the fold. But I had to get it in at least this week because again, some some really good football uh, going on this week in the NCAA. Uh, we'll switch the backer back to our Patriots beat as we wrap this thing up. Um, Alex, we went just a little over an hour again. Obviously, it's always good to talk ball with you. Um, we'll be back on yep. Sunday night after the game. And then next week, twice as well. Um, we will recap this game, get into the Chicago game, the return of Nikhil Harry to Gillette stadium. So we'll be all over that. There's There's, there's ample storylines next week to get to. Um, but Patriots are at Cleveland this weekend. Um, me and Barth gave you our recaps here. There's some news in here as well. So um, you can read all of Alex's stuff at 98.5, the sports You can follow him on Twitter at real Alex Barth. Obviously, I got all my stuff on clnsmedia.com and here on the CLS Media Network. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. Um, Pat's at Browns, 1 p.m. this weekend on Sunday, so check it out and uh, make sure to keep it here for all our stuff. So we will see you guys next week. Thanks for watching.